This is Free Talk Live. I do not know if we're going out on the over the airwaves right now or maybe not a connection problems. It did happen like last week, I think, too. That's okay. Uh, we can just start talking. Uh, the show? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you want to type a message to the board operator to see if we're connected. I will do just that. All right. Well, uh, this is Free Talk Live. <laughs> Free Talk Live, if you're hearing my voice right now, is a nationally syndicated talk show. We're on every single night of the week, including uh, doing a live show for you tonight on Sunday night. It's uh, Free Talk Live is on every Sunday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can call us, if you can hear us, you can call us at 855-450-FREE. I hear we're on the radio in Keene, so that's lrn.fm. At least uh, you know, some people are hearing us. We're just going to go along as though things are um, happening here, and if they, uh, okay. the board op gets a hold of me, then they will. If not, I don't know what's going on. All um, right. So <laughs> you can give us a call at 855-450-3733. In theory, that's going to work. I'm not 100%. I, I see that he's saying stand there by. There we go. We appear to be coming in hard, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. ride. <laughs> 855 Three seven three three. I've never been so happy to hear long-haired devil music in my life. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can give us a call and talk about anything you want to talk about. However, this is one of those days that uh, you know is kind of important for a lot of people. Today is the eleventh day of the eleventh month. If you don't know, in 1918, the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month was a very important hour. That's when World War One was supposed to end, Armistice Day. That is the day that has currently been turned into Veterans Day, and the you know the intention was this was the largest conflict that the world had ever seen. Uh, it was a it was really an evolution of other conflicts that had come before the Franco-Prussian War, certainly, and people had never. It never experienced war on this scale before. Prior to that, the the the, the, the every war prior to that, more people died from um, diseases and stab wounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, those stab wounds was how people died. Yeah, certainly they, they had put, no antibiotics at that time. Yeah, yeah they they certainly put musket balls in the air. They and, actually didn't have them during World War One either. So it wasn't until World War Two. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't Penicillin think was like 1940s. Okay. Yep. It's good that we have a doctor on the show. <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> Pseudo. <laughs> but anyway. You do the work of a doctor. <laughs> for very little pay. I play pay. one on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> very little pay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, so this war was entirely different. They, they have machine guns. Tanks were brought to the battlefield. Large, large atil- artillery. And air, airplanes came to the battlefield also. Um, ships were used in a way that they had never been used before. The battleship was a very important uh, feature, and it was global. It happened in Africa. It happened in Asia. It happened in Europe. Uh, to some extent, there were a couple of things that may have happened on the North American continent. I couldn't speak to South America. I'm sure some expert out there could. But World War One really left people with um, you know, a distaste for war. It 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 was an awful awful conflict, mm. and World War Two, um, you know, sort of brought it all back. Um, the, the, World War Two is World War One, the the part two. I mean, it's it's really just that conflict again. And if it the, it wasn't for the Treaty of Versailles, G- Germany likely would have never wanted the fight that came to them would have never you know brought hitler forward and austria would have never elected him people say that hitler was not elected democratically and that's true in germany but in austria 
his government was absolutely elected uh, democratically. So, um, you know, I mean, the 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 unfairness of the treaty and uh, is what brought Germany in. And the way that that treaty was able to be unfair was essentially the million men of the United States that were brought in late in the war, by, led by Jack Blackjack Prushing, Pershing, and uh, let me look right here, uh, Pershing, just to make sure I had that right. Okay. And it it really threw the balance and allowed Germany to be defeated more soundly. They were kind of tricked, too. It was supposed to be a much more equitable thing. Mm-hmm. And then when the terms came back after the war had essentially stopped, the terms were brought forward. And at that point, what are they going to do? The war stopped from, right. on both sides. They can't really say no. And Germany was having a terrible time as far as insurrection goes. Um, actually, France had uh, nearly had a soldier strike. Um, this was the time when you know people's uh, unions were important. So they had uh, soldiers' unions and that kind of thing. But to me, what's important about World War One is this really odd thing that hasn't occurred in too many times in history, that the peace was prescribed, uh, that the, 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 the armistice was signed, but it didn't go into effect for another six hours. The armistice was signed at 10, 5, 5, 10 a.m. Yeah. In a, uh, in, in a train car in like French woods or something, and... They wanted to be able to get the word out across the battlefield or wherever. And I agree that it's going to take a certain amount of time. But can you imagine once you've heard the message, the battle is going to be over yeah. at 11? And then you die at 1030. And this happened. Or your friend dies. Yeah. Oh, it did. It absolutely, absolutely happened. This was a terrible conflict in which you know so many millions of people died. And most of them were soldiers, men at arms. Uh, there were like 10% civilian deaths um, in World War One, which is small, small. But I the mean, overall number of deaths was much higher. Like there much, were much, many much, more people overall who died. Than? Than in current conflicts. Yeah, well, absolutely. In current conflicts, um, and if you take a look at uh, the Iraq War, I mean, it was the the civilian deaths were like ninety percent in the Iraq War, according to the State Department documents we- leaked by WikiLeaks. Of course, right. they don't want to own up to those, but they're they got their stamp at the top. So I trust WikiLeaks. <laughs> yeah, well, I I trust the United States government knows what they're talking about. Those are their papers. Mm. So um, th- these this conflict was just entirely different, and I want you to imagine what this would be like. To be on a battlefield, I mean, you know, soldiers' lives are, uh, they're, they're, they talk about honor and duty and things like that. And I, it just, the futility of this, the pointlessness of this, why did the United States get into the conflict of World War One? Why did, and frankly, if you, you know, why did they get in the, any of these conflicts? I mean, there's, you know, so few of the wars out there really make a lot of sense when you start breaking them down. And I've spent a long time, oh, yeah. I was, I'm a big war buff. And I didn't start out as a peacenik, mm-hmm. not by a not by a long shot. Mm-hmm. It's studying war that caused me to be one. And I see that's interesting. I, I'm kind of glad that you have all this knowledge about past military conflicts and stuff because, you know, to some extent, it's interesting to talk about it. It gives you at least credibility with some segment of our listeners. I had the kind of opposite experience. I did start out as a peacenik. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I always hated history because I just didn't want to hear about the war. I was really already is, against the next war. <laughs> history is uh, for uh, it, it's 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 a history of wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, until you get into the 20th century when they, you know, have more information, it's really about wars. That's yeah. what you learn about and over and over. And it's written again. from a specific perspective, like they say the victors define history, and yep. that is absolutely true. And it's also 
you know, in many cases, written from the perspective of dominant forces in the world. So like basically Europeans, white people uh, and colonialism is a really nasty history, too. But back to the war thing, I mean, um, it's very unpleasant to to hear about and learn about. And I think it, well, it's not going to get pleasant tonight. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not. And that's OK, because at least it's real. But when you go to a place like a government school, they really the way that it's presented, I think, does a lot of people a disservice. It doesn't impress upon them the the horribleness of war. I mean, you get a vague sense of that, but you're not reading firsthand accounts. You're just being told, memorize these dates and these important events in these wars. And you never, at least I didn't, get a big picture view of why these things happened. And if you did, I think you'd realize, well, this is nothing but a bunch of governments struggling for power and all of these people are getting caught up in that. And why should we endorse it or support it at all? You know, right. I mean, this is the conflict of um, millionaire politicians and, you know, wh- why in the world I'm going to die over that. It, you know, it's it, it just yeah. doesn't, you know, I, I don't I don't understand why. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to hear about that perfect war, that just war. I'm not against a just war. If you're attacked, then take it to them. But so many times these what, what are interpreted as attacks, it's like, well, that's. That's pretty soft evidence. Yeah. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel. The printing press. The internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. It's a SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the, well, it's a live Veterans Day edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. 855-450-3733. So, I um, am... Reading an article here, or starting to read an article here from uh, historylearningsite.co.uk. Which, by the way, I'm just about to send this out to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. And if you want to get updates on what we're talking about during the show and any sort of news that happens with the show, you can follow Free Talk Live on Twitter, at Free Talk Live, all one word. Or you can also like us on Facebook, right? That's right. Yep. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the way... The way to connect also, with Free Talk Live, or yeah. one of the ways to connect with Free Talk Live. And the other listeners. So yep. yeah, I will um, I will blast out this uh, article that you're just about to talk about, Mark. I see at the top it says History Learning Site. I think I need that because I kind of blocked out all the history that I was supposed to be learning in government school. Because like I said in the last segment, I just, I was so disgusted and turned off by the idea of just war and memorizing all these dates. And it just didn't appeal to me. And so uh, maybe I'll learn something from this too. We will see, but first, let's go to Alex in Tennessee. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, you know, I've been listening to you guys for, well, 
I think since you had your first affiliate in wow. Alcoa, Tennessee, one of your first affiliates. Mar- Marysville? Yep, Maryville. Yep, uh, Maryville. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and you've uh, you've introduced me to a lot of ideas that I think of uh, that have really uh, opened my mind up and helped me out. But I think one of the things that uh, has helped me the most, especially recently, is um, uh, Stephanie talking about the paleo diet. Oh, okay. cool! That's good to hear. Thank you. Um, and that that I heard you mention a few times, and I didn't really have any idea what exactly it was. And then one night you were talking about a movie, uh, a movie a guy made called Fathead. Yes, Fathead, yeah. Tom Naughton is the director. Yeah, and I went, uh, after hearing you talk about that, I was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting movie. I'll go check that out. And while it's not all the things he says in there aren't strict, a lot of it is strictly kind of paleo, and I'm not strictly, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to get a little bit better about it. I still have a few things that kind of hung up about, but I'm, uh, I feel. I've been doing this probably about two months now. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I'd, I'd gotten to a point where I was about 300 pounds. I felt sick and bloated, mm. tired all the time. I was drinking way too much. Yeah. And um, I first started losing a little weight, just mainly based on portion control more than anything else. And then I looked into the paleo thing and uh i've probably lost about 20 pounds since then wow congratulations started, just in the past two months huh? exercising. i've lost almost 50 pounds now i'm almost down 50 pounds wow so uh, you feel better huh oh I, I feel a heck of a lot better oh uh, i'm so happy to hear that I even i even feel better emotionally yeah that's like, great i feel like the I would, you know, some of the depression I would have, I just don't have it anymore. So is it, let me ask about the the drinking. Are you not drinking as much as you were? No, I've cut that back quite a bit too. And -hmm. I think that this is one of the real keys because, I mean, alcohol is just a bunch of calories and it doesn't really provide you with anything nutritional. I mean, it provides you with, you know, a sort of drunken uh, state. I started to lose some weight even before I cut back my drinking, Mm -hmm. but I've I've done that as well, added that to it as well. Yeah, you know, what? one of the things about weight loss is that once you get on a roll, like once you start to notice some results, you like you change some, some habit or something and then you notice some results, it turns out that when you feel healthier, it's like its own reward, you know, and pretty soon you start realizing that, hey, I feel so good. Why would I ever want to go back to my old habits? Because I just I just know that I feel so much better. Is that what I, you expect? I don't think I would have ever got started down this road until I just... It had just become, I'd, I'd just in, ended a relationship, and um, it, had, it probably should have ended about two years before it did. Yeah, and, so you've uh, been making a lot of changes in your life, huh? Yeah, and um, I, not having somebody there to help, help me cook all my meals and the way they wanted, and they were, mm. you know, <laughs> now I, I get to pick uh, what I want to eat. And, yeah. You know, I don't see not being able to have, uh, restricting myself on certain things. I don't see that as limiting. I see it as more opportunities to be creative with what I'm cooking, with what I have, and yeah. with real, real food. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's explain food. the paleo diet real quick for folks that uh, haven't uh, experienced this. Um, okay, so, well, I guess um, what it is is trying to eat the way that our bodies are adapted to process food. So for a long part of human evolutionary history, 
we were hunter gatherers, right? And we didn't have things like grains that are in everything. We didn't have a lot of sugar, access to sugar. And, and there's a lot of evidence that sugar is a poison. I mean, yeah, yeah. And didn't have processed foods. And so what the paleo diet is, I guess there's different schools of thought, but basically it's natural foods, um, a lot of uh, plants and um, animal like meats and eggs and vegetation, stuff like that. meats. Mm-hmm. What about fruits? Uh, yeah, pe- fruits. Milk? Uh, no, you can't milk a wild animal, so there would be no milk, no okay. dairy. Um, and uh, <laughs> I suppose you could eat whatever it's in its udder, and as I understand mothers produce that stuff too. Yeah, they do, but probably breast milk wasn't a huge part of caveman diet. But oh. I don't know, maybe. Uh, sure, but <laughs> uh, but probably you know, do. You probably go a long, long way by cutting out the the processed sugars. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things for a lot of people. Um, as I remember, there's there's about 30% of Caucasian people uh, that have this gene that is associated with celiac disease, which is intolerance to wheat gluten. Mm-hmm. And gluten is a protein that's in wheat. And if you look at, like, if you go down a grocery store shelf or something like that, there is wheat in everything. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a, even it's wheat. A filler. There's a wheat in shampoo. Like, wow. it'll say wheat, wheat protein added or something like mm. that. And it's just everywhere. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because... Government subsidizes wheat extremely heavily, yeah. and corn. Corn is another thing. Grains, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, realizing that stuff gives you some power, um, and the corn subsidies is is kind of leads down another road because, so corn oil is also really ubiquitous, and vegetable oil, um, like soybean oil and corn oil, are big ones. I hear they hydrogenate that stuff too. They do, yeah. So the hydrogenation I have is no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, it means subjecting the oil. Vegetable oil is liquid at room temperature, right? Mm-hmm. So you they subject it to a chemical process that adds um, that changes the fat in a way that it's solid at room temperature. So the melt point is higher. And when you add that that stuff to foods, it leads to the foods having a longer shelf life. But in, at the same time, this is actually really bad for you. And if you remember back in the day, like, you know, 80s and 90s, government was saying, oh, yeah, um, butter's bad for you. Yeah. Eat margarine Eat instead. Margarine. Absolutely. This is what was being said at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and you margarine know, eggs were is bad too. This hydrogenated fat. And so they realized this when everybody was eating margarine and getting sicker and fatter. And the low fat craze was going on at the same time where everything is uh, sugar instead of fat to make it taste good. And so it just leads to this nutritional disaster and people didn't get any healthier from the food pyramid. So, Alex, thank you for the call. Thanks, Alex. I'm really glad to hear his story because I, um, it's nice to have some feedback, and I feel inspired by it. <laughs> I think it's great to hear some hear from somebody who's been listening for so long ago. Yeah. It's been ten years on the air now on Free Talk Live. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Eight five five four five zero free. A science fiction comic adventure from Big Head Press. Quantum vibe. It's year 2523. There are colonies on Venus, Mars, and Mercury. People travel in bubbles, fly at hyperspeed. With brain implants and artificial gravity. A scientific genius and his clever assistant set out on an adventure through the solar system. On a secret mission to find the key to access new frontiers and save liberty. Quantum vibe. There's a robot girl and zany creatures made with genetically engineered features. And corporate villains crave the opportunity to steal a profit from mother's ingenuity. A scientific genius and his clever assistant set out on an adventure through the soul. 
855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Call in and talk about anything. We're talking about the Veterans Day um, here and uh, giving a little history on it. But uh, somebody just called in about the paleo diet and how it changed. And Stephanie, you're you're on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even say it's a diet. Yeah. It's just lifestyle. a That's way right. of eating. They yeah. do say that. The paleo lifestyle is often how it's referred to. Yeah. I mean... I think it does extend to lifestyle because it goes beyond diet. But, yeah, we can talk about that later. <laughs> Let's save that. <laughs> well, if you're looking for camping, hunting, I mean, it's hunting season, many p- places around the United States. Hey, you could go paleo and just hunt your own game meat and become a caveman. Yeah, you could, the land. could do just that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking about strate- strategic survival in, uh, in an <laughs> upcoming segment. Um, camping, hunting, survival, or shooting gear. ManVentureOutpost.com carries the name brands that you want and the lowest at the lowest prices on ammunition, knives, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, optics, firearm accessories, archery, air guns, holsters, water purification, tents, apparel, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com, they're family-owned, members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau, and they have the lowest prices. Go check for yourself. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Great great website. You really can get some of the lowest prices there at ManVentureOutpost.com. So going on with my article here from, um, it was it's HistoryLearningSite.co.uk. And it's talking about the last day of World War One, and this is the day that essentially is celebrated to some extent inside of Veterans Day. Obviously, it's been broadened to talk about all the veterans, but to me, I think that sort of the futility. World War One really encapsulates the futility of war, the pointlessness of many of the deaths, especially uh, that time between the armistice signing and when it actually ended. Yeah. You know, when what we have a tendency to do in uh, in war is look at the outcome, look at the amount of deaths and say, well, was that worth it or wasn't worth it? And, you know, everybody's got their own answer. But death isn't something that happens wholesale. It's something that happens retail and individually. Every death matters to somebody. And mm. that's, you know, that's what I want to get across here. Whether they're an American or a part of whatever quote, other group. We're going to start with the Americans on this list. In particular, Americans took heavy casualties on the last day of war. This was because their commander, General John Pershing, this is Blackjack Pershing, uh, I think the only five-star general, but I mean, there might be some dispute on that one. The last five-star general, something like that. It's believed that the Germans had to be, he, he believed that they had to be severely defeated at a military level to effectively teach them a lesson. Pershing saw the terms of the armistice as being soft on the Germans. Now, the armistice, wow. by the way, it's it's uh, crushing, debilitating, uh, you know, terms left the Germans in a situation where Hitler was able to rise to power. Yeah, exactly. All these rep- war reparations. I'm just struck by how much that smacks of like a a par- an authoritarian parent like punishing a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we have to teach them a lesson so they'll never be bad again. And it wasn't it's even the same very weird. It wasn't even the same uh government. 
it, you know, I mean, at that point, it was a different government that had to deal with the terms oh, of right, yeah. the war. So, I mean, it'd be one thing if you're talking about the Kaiser having to pay out of his, uh, you know, his little satchel of gold coins or whatever, uh, pay off the, 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 the stuff. But, I mean, you know, where does any king... Kaiser, Caesar, Czar, you know, where where does where did any of them get their money from? They get it off the backs of the people. Oh, of course. And this isn't the war, you know, wasn't perpetuated <laughs> they didn't by the do people. anything productive for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't benefit the people. So and they didn't they didn't sign the terms, the treaties. So to go after the people doesn't make any sense. But anyway, therefore, he supported those commanders who wanted to be proactive in attacking German positions, even though he knew that an armistice had been signed. Now, to me, this just doesn't make any sense to me. Please, somebody explain to me when you know that there's peace has been a peace treaty has been signed. What rushing on the enemy uh, position? Why that isn't murder? I mean, yeah. it's just I, you know. I mean, a peace treaty has been signed. Yeah. In particular, the Americans suffered heavy casualties attempting to cross the river. Oh, God. Mousse on the night of the 10th to the 11th within the... Come on, the, Mark. Give me your best French right, or whatever. Yeah, sorry. I, <laughs> you know, I know a lot about World War One in general, but a lot of these, uh, the terms, the, 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 the Marne and all that stuff, I just don't know how to pronounce them all <laughs> properly. The U.S. Marines taking over 1,100 casualties in that evening alone. Um, the 89th U.S. Division. Now, they knew that the peace treaty was being signed. They were out there for three days in the woods um, in a trailer trying to sign, come up with a peace treaty. But, so that so they knew that they were working on a peace treaty. Yes. The troops knew that the... Lead- I don't know the troops did, okay. but certainly the commanders did. Okay, so the commanders of the people who ordered this march across yes. the thing that you can't pronounce yep. knew that Mousse, there was a peace River treaty Mousse. being worked on, and they still did this thing, and 1,100 people died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The 89th oh, U.S. Division God, was ordered to so attack... Needless. And take the uh, the town of Stenay on the morning of November the 11th. Now, remember, the peace treaty was signed at, at 510. Um, yep. Stenay was the last town captured on the Western Front, but at a cost of 300 casualties. Now, consider that this town was going to be free in six hours. But they went and they lost 300 American lives. Not that it matters to me where they're from. I'm just pointing it out. 300. It probably matters more to some people who are Unbelievable. listening. Unbelievable. But they lost 300 lives to get this thing they were going to get anyway in six hours. Do you think that there's, um, do you think that, that at that point it becomes an emotional reason? Like, are they just doing it for bloodthirst or well, the, because they're so heavily in Pershing this- wanted to you know, defeat, severely defeat the uh, the Germans at a military level to teach yeah, them a lesson. Yeah, he had a vendetta, right. right. So he was not, I mean, you could even say he wasn't following orders, well, right? Or he wasn't like going with what the government it doesn't, I mean, was you know, doing. Are the German commanders going to be fighting real hard when they know that there's an armistice being no. beaten out in the woods? I mean, you know, why? It's, not if they're sane anyway. I mean, it's no. like a sucker punch almost. Yeah. The records that the last uh, of the last British soldier killed in World War One was Private George Edwin Ellison of the Fifth Royal uh, Irish Lancers. He was killed in Mons, where he uh, also fought in 1914 at 9:30 a.m., 90 minutes before the ceasefire. He may not have known that there was going to be peace when he caught that bullet in the head. You know, when his but brains somebody were, knew when his brains somebody were scrambled by a 50 it. caliber, um, you know, gun. Yeah, yeah, he might not have known. The last French soldier to die, however, was uh, Austin Trebon. Trebon. 
Nice. From the uh, 415th Infantry Regiment. He was a runner and was in the process of taking a message to his colleagues on the front and informing them of the ceasefire. And um, he was hit by a single shot and killed at 1050. Oh. So somebody on the German and side... And he was bringing the message that was, there was a ceasefire. Right. And he was, he was actually bringing back a message also. He's letting them know there's going to be soup. Everybody was excited there was going to be soup. Hot soup for everybody. Oh. Pack. Caught by a sniper. I mean, why isn't this murder? Ten minutes before the ceasefire why is actually scheduled to go into effect. Well, it was already signed six hours ago. But why isn't all of it murder? Right. What's the pointlessness it is. of it all? It's just government sanctioned, so right? Tell me how this forwarded whatever the goal was, whatever whatever goal there was in this war, these deaths. I can't I tell can't, you. I can't figure out anything. The last, um, so going on here, uh, 75 French soldiers were killed on November the 11th, but their graves state November the 10th. Two theories have been forwarded in this discrepancy. I go <laughs> with the second one. The first was that by stating that they had died on November 10th before the war had ended, there could be no question about their family's entitlement to a war pension. The other theory is that the French government wanted to avoid any form of embarrassment or political scandal that should become um, come to be known that so many died on the last day of the war. Yeah. Yeah, the family is a convenient excuse. I'm sure they would have loved to deny the family that pension. They just didn't want to look bad. The last Canadian to die was Pri- Private uh, George Lawrence Price of the Canadian 2nd Infantry, who was killed on Mons at 10.58 officially, two minutes before. There are actually stories of soldiers that were shot um, after 11 o'clock, too. Yeah. It's just, it's all so pointless. Uh, there's a, we'll it tell is. you about the last American here shortly. Um, 855-450-3733. You can tell I'm a rabid peacenik. Tell me why I'm wrong. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the realtor Mark Warden. You want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too. Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can give us a call and talk about anything you want to talk about. We are, however, here since this 11th day of the 11th month, talking about Armistice Day, Veterans Day, the history behind it, and what to me... Why do people not say November 11th? Why do they say the 11th day of the 11th month and the 11th hour? Is it just for dramatic effect? I think so. Yeah. For initially, that's how it was said. Okay. Um, Fair and, enough. you know, I mean, it, it has it has poetic flair, and I think that's the reason people stick with it. But, um, yeah, before, before we go on with it, I want to talk to you about Strategic Survival. Strategic Survival is a book, a compendium, an omnibus uh, that will give you all the information you need in all kinds of different uh, scenarios where you may need to be prepared. Uh, there's a lot of people that make fun of preppers, but I can tell you where they're not making fun of preppers right now is in New Jersey and New York because those people were ready 
for what happened with uh, Hurricane Sandy or the hopefully they they're ready to be without power for more than two you know two weeks. You can't count on the government. No, you can't count on them. Absolutely not. I mean, it's nice if they can bring you some help, or it's nice if somebody else can bring you help, but ultimately you're responsible for you and your family. And strategic survival gives you specifics, you know, products to buy, um, how quantities to have, you know, what you can carry, what you can do, gives you uh, practice training uh, so that you can add confidence and experience. Again, go to strategicsurvival.com and get this important book. Yeah, I've heard great reviews of that. Yeah, it's a great book. Going on here, um, oh, by the way, if you want to get free archives of Free Talk Live, you can go to archives.freetalklive.com. We, there, there we offer them going back to 2006 completely free. Most shows charge you for archives. We do not. We want you to listen if that's what you want to do. We, we make it easy for you. Archives.freetalklive.com. And going on with the, uh, the last uh, American to be killed in World War I, this is a particularly sad story for me. Um, the last American soldier was Private Henry Gunter, who was killed at 10.59 a.m. Now, remember, the treaty went into effect the 11th hour, 11th day, 11th month. Officially, Gunter, and, and it was signed six hours before that. Now, I don't know whether Henry Gunter knew that the treaty went into effect in one more minute, but... The fact is, is when he fell dead, basically at that moment, the guns fell silent. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, officially, Gunter was the last man to die in World War One. His unit had been, because actually they don't count the ones that died after 11 o'clock. Because there were plenty of people that were on, you know, patrols and things like that, that, you know, for whatever reason didn't get back. They were still, they were, they had been at war for four years. They're still shooting. You know, it feels, still feels like war. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get the memo. Well, they got the memo. Gun, you know, Gunter's commander had the memo. Mm. His unit had been ordered to advance and take a German machine gun post. It was said that even the Germans who knew that they were literally minutes away from the ceasefire tried to stop the Americans from attacking, waving them off. Wow. But when it became obvious that this had failed, they fired on their attackers and Gunter was killed. His division record stated almost as he fell, the gunfire died away and an appalling silence prevailed. You know, I mean... That's that's shocking, yeah. Yeah. It's, know what to say. It's pretty shocking. You know, I mean, it's 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 very dis- difficult to ascertain a lot of these things, and, and to some extent their story and legend, but can somebody explain to me what Henry Gunter's death accomplished? A machine gun post that the Germans abandoned a few days later? Well, maybe it they started accompl- packing up that that minute. Maybe it did accomplish something, and that is that he became a poster child for the anti-war movement. You know, the peace the peace movement. I'm glad that he was memorialized in this way. That the story is out there to teach people and to show the pointlessness of war. Right. Yeah. And so, if it accomplished anything, I would say it would be that. You know, I think that there. I believe in the concept of a just war. If you're a country minding your own little business, going on, doing things, letting people trade and doing whatever it is you're doing in some other country, um, you know, in a war of aggression, a war of conquest attempts to invade and you fight them off back to your borders, maybe even take it all the way to their capital. I don't have a problem with any of those stories, but 
so many of those stories have been portrayed throughout history, and it turns out they're lying to us in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, for the United States get, getting into World War One, you know, it's really dubious as to what happened. I mean, some of the United States merchant ships, which were shipping uh, to both sides, but ninety percent of the the side they were supplying was the the great the, the British and mm-hmm. the Allies. You got to ask yourself: Is it really so wrong of Germany to blow up a merchant ship that's going to supply the other side? I mean, haven't you? If you're supplying ninety percent to one, because it was difficult. Basically, the Allies weren't letting the United States supply Germany. It was mm-hmm. basically they were they were um, hold off. They, they, the ships were out there. Yeah. The Brit the Brits had as far as naval they had naval superiority, and. You know, I mean, was it? But was it so wrong? The the Germans had U-boats, so they had the offensive, but they didn't have the defensive capability, essentially. And you know, so they decided to to sink one of these merchant ships. Some will claim that that merchant ship was sent in there with the intention of being sunk, so that Woodrow Wilson could get the United States into war. He had promised to stay out, Mm -hmm. but if you really wanted to stay out. You wouldn't let merchants trade over there. And if they did decide to trade, they do it at their own risk. Yeah. Now, there were some claims. That- and didn't he had this grand plan, too, right? Didn't he have these like 10 points or something that he wanted to implement? And it was basically empire. Uh, let, I'll look this up and, and get more detail on it. He like also, I said, I didn't pay attention in history class because I hate this stuff so The League much. of Nations was his idea, Yeah, too. yeah, the League of Nations, yeah. It had something to do with that. In, indeed. <laughs> Find out. So um, there was also a situation in New Jersey where some people might have been blowing up a uh, oil depot, a gas pump thing. Um, they might have been Germans. It's hard to know. Uh, there was a situation where the Germans were speaking to Mexico about uh, you know invading the United States. As if Mexico could have ever invaded the United States, um, but I mean, you know, there was talk of war. It was a, it was a, it was a world at war. But it sounds th- like a scary time. But it's easy to get caught up in fear and give the government a lot of power during times when everybody's afraid. And you know, probably looking back on it, we can see that yeah, this was a terrible idea, and it sh- we should have never gotten involved. But the point I want to make is that you know, I, I do believe that there's this such thing as this just war. Even if I am a peacenik, I just don't think the government values you very highly. I think that they'll send you to take out a machine gun post at 1059 when there's a peace treaty going into effect at 11 a.m. That's what I think they think of your life, that you're nothing but a bag of meat that they wouldn't even eat. That's how useless you are. That's harsh. You're roadkill. It's true. Yeah. No, they don't care. I, I mean, yeah, it's just so sad, but that's all I can see. I'm sure that the individual commanders, there's have been them that, that that care about their men, but clearly not the the commander of Henry Gunter. This commander could have said, you know what, we're going to hold off just, you know, we're going to hold off just a, a second here before we take this uh, machine gun post. But no, he wanted the prestige that comes, and I'll bet you he didn't catch a bullet, the prestige that comes mm-hmm. from taking something in battle, from winning that victory. Well, he sounds like a madman with a personal vendetta, but how many madmen are there, you know, in the ranks of war, in the in the command, in the generals, and even the, the presidency and the politicians? Officially, over 10,000 men were killed, wounded, or went missing on November the 11th, 1918. Now, they didn't come back. 
they're not being held in some Vietnamese uh, POW camp. Yeah, they're not still missing. They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> the Americans alone suffered over 3,000 casualties. 3,000 on November the 11th. When these losses became public knowledge, such was the anger at home that Congress held a hearing regarding the matter. On, in November 1919, Pershing faced a House of Representatives Committee on Military Affairs that examined whether senior Army commanders had acted according to the, accordingly in the last few days of the war. However, no one was ever charged with negligence and Pershing remained unapologetic, remaining convinced that the Germans had gotten off lightly with the... Uh, of course, what about the... 3,000 Americans that died on that day. Did they get off lightly? No. Well, I thought you were asking a rhetorical question. I I was asking rhetorical (laughs) questions. Remaining convinced that the Germans had gotten off lightly with the terms of the armistice, he also stated that although he knew about the timing of the armistice, he simply did not trust the Germans to carry out their obligations. He therefore, as commander-in-chief, ordered the army to carry on as it would normally do on any judicious commander, um, as any judicious commander would have done. There you go. Yep. Why are you still uh, supporting war? Why are you sending your sons into the military? Why are you going into the military? He pointed out he was merely carrying out the orders of the Allies' Supreme Commander. Just just following orders. Following orders. That's what they always say. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Hello, my friends. It's an election year and everybody wants you to vote for someone. I'm your verbal surgeon here to remind you to always vote for yourself first because you are an amazing individual of incredible talent and great skill. We need you to make this country a better place. Vote for yourself and vote for verbalsurgery.com to help you do that, baby. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the live Sunday edition, Veterans Day edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. 855-450-3733. This Christmas season, when you're doing your online shopping, please remember shop.freetalklive.com. It's an extra moment and you can go there. Uh, there's many online retailers, but specifically Amazon, probably uh, where we get the largest uh, amount of uh, sales from. And it's you know a relatively quick and easy and painless way for you to uh, you know addition to your online shopping. You get the same prices and the same service you normally get from Amazon, but we get a little cut, and that little cut really helps pay the bills around here. And so you know. Basically, it costs you nothing. You get the same thing you normally would get, and it costs you, I guess, I guess it costs you an extra moment of your time. Shop.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Robert in Vermont. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hi, Mark. How are you guys doing tonight? Everything's good. How about you? Great. This is a, my favorite part of the show. What's this that? at the end of the week, and, and, and everything is all calm. And But but anyways, I, Mark, i got to tell you, I... You know, I know you're a lot smarter than I am and a lot more knowledgeable than I am. I wouldn't go that far. Stuff, but, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> no, i got to tell you that not every politician feels that same way you t- you're talking about. What you do you mean? Which part? Senator Sanders, he doesn't feel that way at all. He wants to bring all these troops home. Yeah, 
Yeah. Some politicians uh, do want to. You're right. What I said was that the government doesn't care about you, that they would send you uh, to, you know, as a reiterating a the last American to die in World War One was sent at eleven fifty nine a.m. when the war ended at 11 a.m. Um, to excuse me 10:59 a.m. when the war ended one minute later uh, you know to take a machine gun uh, post that um, you know German, that, that, yeah. there was yeah it was pointless to take so I will agree right. that it, some politicians are more I, I, I also want to apologize because I I got in the I, I just got into the middle of when you were talking about that I thought about it after I said it I said wow you know maybe I should have just got all the information first but Oh, there's nothing to apologize for. No, I I agree. I mean, maybe it's possible that Bernie Sanders, the senator from Vermont, I mean, and he is actually an independent. Isn't he one of the only independent? But he caucuses with the Democrats. But he's more like radical. Yeah, go ahead, Robert. He is an independent. And I'll tell you what, this guy, the first time I saw him was a couple of years ago. It was on TV. This guy came out swinging. You know, this guy reminds me so much of like... uh, you know, like when it was with Kennedy was here. You know, and of course, I don't remember Abe Blinken, but these guys, they were for the people. They're, they're trying to help the people, you know, where you don't see a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats and stuff like that that actually come right out for, you know, and. Oh, there are very few genuinely anti war politicians. And even if there are a couple, they're, they're definitely in the minority. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got plenty of things I disagree with Bernie Sanders on, but I also wonder whether he could be a senator in a state with a larger population. Vermont's one of the, the five least populated states. I think it's got like mm-hmm. 600,000, 650,000. And it has a history of sort well, of um, uh, radical politics. Yeah, sure. It, it, if I, Mark, if I, if I may say, um, you know, he is very popular on CNN. Mm-hmm. He's also very popular on some of the other, you know, uh, you know, stations that are out there, he's very well-liked because, again, as I say, he's one of those, he's a politician, he'll tell you like it is. He'll tell you a lot of things that a lot of other of these you know, politicians won't tell you and senators and congressmen won't tell you. I, yeah, I'm with it's, you. It's unfortunate, though, because I think, like, people see someone like that, a politician that they really like and feel represents them, and they're like, yeah, there is still hope in the political process. Yeah, but, but Bernie Sanders' I, voice has drowned it out. But yeah, right. Exactly. The the vast majority of the politicians. I mean, it's he's literally like if he's if he's different than the rest of the politicians, he's going against. He's like David and Goliath, basically. And there's no chance that what he wants is going to actually right. succeed. I disagree with him on many of his policies, but I believe that he's a man that really stands up for what he believes in. However, he's in a Senate with. At least 90 out of 95 people or or 90 out of 100 people are bought and paid for. And, you know, those other 10 or five or 10 can't do anything. Sure. Well, people said the same thing about Ron Paul, you know, being in the in the House of Representatives. Right. Sanders in the in the Senate. Right. right. But Ron Paul was a House House of Representatives. But that's the thing. He's the only one who's like that. He's the, the only lone voice in the wilderness. And maybe him being there helps some people think that there's still a chance to get peace well hey all it takes is one <laughs> what do you mean not all... really because i mean they're voting on stuff and they have to have majorities and yeah right but but uh, again no i mean in terms of one voice there but i mean we, we the people but nobody's all, listening all to him we're all hearing this <laughs> but nobody's listening to him i mean yeah he's getting elected in vermont but the rest of the politicians aren't on his side unfortunately 
I mean, I wish they were, especially on war you stuff. Know what? We don't care what the rest of the other politicians say. I care about what the people out here, because we the people, we put them into office. And we can damn well vote him out of it, too. Yeah, but uh, I, 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 I got you. I don't but see you people... have to be, um, okay, so you know who Bernie Sanders is. And you can probably name your other senator, too, Robert. But I'll tell you what, if you went down the, your street with a microphone, whether you're in Montpelier or, or Burlington or, uh, you know, wherever it is, uh, Ridgeland, wherever it is that you are in, in Vermont, and you went down the street in your town and you asked the average person whether they voted, first question, and then the second question is, um, you know, what's the name of your what's the name of the current sitting senator? One, just name one current sitting senator, and I'll bet you half of them will get it wrong. And then when you get up to two senators, I bet you seventy five percent of them get it wrong. I mean, most people are completely uninformed. They go to vote every four years because they don't even know there's another damn election um, in the, on the off year, and they vote for. You know, whoever their friends told them to vote for, and or says you got to get out there and vote at the polling place. They're 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 voting I'll for bet, ignorance. I'll bet that uh, if they didn't know before then, I'll bet they know now. You know, I mean, the, the I politicians aren't it, doing the will sweet. of the people, though. They're they're not do they're not responding to the will of the people. I mean, maybe there's a rare case like Bernie Sanders where people really like him and think that they. They're being represented. But what about the people in all the other 50 states? I mean, there's got to be some anti-war people who really aren't being represented. And even when politicians talk rhetoric about being anti-war, they don't follow through on it. I Mitt mean, Romney was talking rhetoric Obama about anti-war. With, with his peace signs, you know, has now been droning people uh, in all, all kinds of places around the world and has dropped, you know, <laughs> missiles and stuff. And he got the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, well, he got it. What? Bef- <laughs> he got it before he did it. But uh, yeah. you know, I want people to uh, go to YouTube and search "drone drones war on women and children," and just go ahead and take a look at some of these shocking photographs about what is going. Is it graphic? It's awful. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, and we should warn people about that I, because I'm, some people might not want to see. I'm it. I'm making but. it clear, as clear as I can. But war really stinks, and you can and we continue to pay our taxes and continue to vote for these people, and it's the well, least we can do. <laughs> You know, the other thing is, Mark, too, is that, you know, we also have the people that listen to free doc, uh, freelive.com. You know, there's over 20,000 people that listen, you know, and that are part of this, you know, what we're trying to, you know, sort out and straighten out and stuff like that. Some of those people, I'm sure, are over here in Vermont. Maybe they don't have a station or anything yet, but... Oh, yeah, we've got a know, couple of stations in Vermont. You know, but, uh, hey, we know what's going on. We're hip to what's going on around here. <laughs> Thanks for the anyway, call, Robert. Hey, Mark, it was good speaking with you. And uh, like I said, this is my favorite time of the week to listen to you talk. Thank Back you, sir. Good evening. Appreciate it. 855-450-3733. Oh, I thought I'd drop that. It shouldn't, have made a, it shouldn't have made a click noise. That's all my fault, people. <laughs> um, you know, actually, a Free Talk Live is probably heard by... Oh, I don't know, something like a quarter million people in a, in a week because um, we're on more than 100 radio stations across the country. I don't expect uh, um, you know, Robert to necessarily know how, how many affiliates we have, but it's worth mentioning. <laughs> I mean, we do have uh, 20,000 might be a number that you could uh, you know claim with a podcast or something like that, but we've got more than that. So anyway, and uh, if you want to know what stations we're on in Vermont, I just uh, looked that up real quick. We're on in uh, Barrie. Brattle and Brattleboro right now in Vermont. Yeah, I just don't see a popular anti-war uprising. I mean, it hasn't happened. We've been in war for the past 11 years, and it hasn't happened in not any Not after Pat Tillman, sense. not after uh, you know, WikiLeaks, not after Abu Ghraib. It just doesn't Nothing. stop. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. 
You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio, podcast, satellite, webcam, and our live streams. But did you know you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere? Add this number to your phone, 213-493-0308. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Listen Lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 213-493-0308. That's 213-493-0308. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can give us a call. Talk about anything you want to here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark and Stephanie. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Veterans Day edition, I should say. And um, real quick before we uh, get into the phone calls here, I want to tell you about bitcoins. Bitcoins are an online peer to peer open source currency. They're money for the internet. With Bitcoins, you can send and receive money almost instantly, very quickly, across the Internet, and you don't have to pay any fees. You know as well as I do, it costs a lot of money to send uh, money back and forth on the Internet. And Bitcoin, it makes it, it, makes it easy to do micropayments. You can send, uh, send money to people all across the world. There's no, they have control of it. When, when you have a Bitcoin account, you are your own banker. You don't have to rely on some despotic government to uh, leave you alone. In a lot of these countries, it, it's got to be very difficult to uh, do business. Bitcoin makes it much easier. In Argentina right now, they're getting around government controls with Bitcoin. And I believe that it's being used strongly in Greece, too. I believe this currency is the most important invention in this decade. And you can get in on basically the ground floor. Bitcoins are currently the most valuable currency in the world at something like $11 a piece. But I think they're going to skyrocket from here. So anyway, you want to get Bitcoins, go find out about them. Go to bitcoin.freetalklive.com. We've got links there to uh, help you research them. Uh, We use coins.org and that kind of thing. You can get a free Bitcoin wallet at blockchain.info. But all the links are at, uh, at bitcoin.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Mitchell in Texas. Mitchell, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Miracles never cease. My beloved Cowboys finally won a game today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Can you believe it? It had, it had to happen sooner or later. Yeah, well, they, they beat Philly, so I don't consider that a big accomplishment. <laughs> as bad as Philly is, not much better in Dallas. But, I would, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I haven't been paying attention this year. My wife's much more of the football fan in my, fa- in my household. Well, uh, Michael Vick got knocked out early on with another concussion. They were talking about uh, on the during the game that he's probably toast next year. I, those concussions in football, they always make me feel so bad. That's usually what happens to me during a football game is I'll watch for a little while and somebody gets a big hit. And I'm like, oh, God, I feel so bad for this person. Yeah, and so I still been, have some empathy It's been left. most of the, 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 the game going, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> feeling bad for the guys. Yeah, them, them guys are big and they hit hard these days. They no doubt about it. They really do. Uh, and, you know, having... Having been, uh, you know, involved in kind of rough sports in my life, I know what it's like to have a big, big individual hit you. And that's what it's like. I mean, these are real bell ringers. Not to disparage Mitchell's interest in sports or anything, but I do. I don't follow sports because I I do get the impression that it's just very violent and 
Well, I don't like to see the that. The thing I love about football, though, is when you get to see those really amazing plays, that one where, and I always remember Jerry Rice, but I'm sure that there's football players that can do this still, that can like reach out there with one hand. You know, they're big, long legs. These guys are six foot nine, big, long legs striding down the field. Reach out that hand and pull in the football and then bring it in right into the bread basket and run across the line. I think those are amazing to see. Yeah, the athleticism's cool. It's but, amazing. But there's a lot of violence there mixed is. in with that. <laughs> Mitchell? Well, but, but Stephanie, uh, golf's not violent, and that's a very athletic sport. Sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's not as much fun to watch as football, though. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, I, I just, I really, I just called. Uh, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, okay. back, I, was, I was in back in the 70s. Uh, and I just called to wish all my fellow veterans a uh, happy Veterans Day. It's a very special day to me and for them. Now, isn't it Marine Corps Day the day before Veterans Day? Uh, the Marine Corps birthday is November tenth, seventeen seventy seven. So we were about two hundred and what forty, thirty years old now. Yeah, yeah. That's just one of those days that, as a Marine, you it's etched in your memory. So yeah, why so do yeah, you consider just, it? Uh, what's special about it to you, Mitchell? The Marines. Um, you well, said that you consider Ver- Veterans Day a very special day. Well, because service to your country is is to me is something very special. Uh, and, you know, we hadn't had the draft since 71, 72, and I was in just right after that, so I volunteered to go in. And so it's been an all-volunteer force since that time. And I just think that's a very special thing to do for your country. Now, there are other ways to serve the country, and I fully agree with that. Uh, but uh, being in the military is, to me, is an honor. And uh, I'm, I'm not trying to sound patriotic or anything like that. I just I just feel it's an honor to serve in this country's military. I'm sure, I, ab- absolutely range. sure you, you feel that way. But what I always think when I think about these uh, this, this situation, and I don't want to disparage, I want to be able to honor veterans and thank them for their service. I just have such a difficult time with it when I see the, the products of war. Um, you know the the families that you know where the children have been killed in the uh, in the Iraq conflict. It was ninety percent civilian casualties. That's what the United States State Department said. And you know these aren't people that signed up. They didn't say we'll fight or anything like that. The war was brought to them, and there were more people killed under the United in the United States prosecution of that war than Saddam Hussein had killed of his own citizens in the whole time that he was president. I mean, people called him a despotic leader, and I'm not saying that he was a good guy. I think he was a terrible leader. But, you know, I mean, I just wonder whether the I wonder whether the uh, the cure is worse than the sickness in some of these cases. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's a good point. And, and you know, I, I have never been for the Iraq war. I thought it was it was stupid. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying the guys that lost their lives and legs over there uh, did anything less than heroic. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but the but the concept of that war and and. I mean, to this day, I don't even really know why we're over there, because we're not doing anything. Nothing's changing. They've, they've had wars in that region for the last thousand years, and nothing has changed over there. And we're not going to change anything over there. And, and so I don't, I don't get it. So yeah, I, I think it's very it. difficult to do, Mitchell, and I, I would love to learn, learn how to do this, is to how to honor veterans, because I know that the sacrifices were there. I've, I'm, you know, I've, I've read the books. I am, you know, big into war as a, uh, you know, as something to study. And I, I know that the sacrifices exist. I just always feel like the sacrifices aren't, aren't for anything of, of value. So, I, I yeah, mean, I would prefer that they wouldn't have made those. They wouldn't have been injured. You know, they wouldn't have been killed. I, w- I wish they would have never gone. Right. And, uh, but I mean, 
I, I, if you play out in the street, at some point or another, a car is going to hit you. Well, but, I, you know, I just get the point I just make. You know, why did we go in the first place? What did those people do to us? Nothing. Yeah. You know, what, 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 you know I'm a, v, excuse me, a Vietnam era veteran, and, and, and what did the North Vietnamese do to us? Nothing. And, so and, that's an interesting and, point, Mitchell, because, I mean, when you were in the military, did, did the government ever do, did you ever get any orders that you disagreed with? And it sounds like you're saying you disagreed with the whole war in the first place. Well, but I, well, back in those days, I was 18 years old, so it, it <laughs> you know, I just probably didn't have that mindset. But no, I, I didn't see. disagree with any orders. No, never, ever. Nothing. Okay. All right. No. Mitchell, I do appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. 855-450-3733. It's an emotionally tumultuous day for a lot of people. You know, I mean, I've, there's people in my family that have died. As a matter of fact, I would have been third generation army officer if I would have gone, excuse me, fourth generation army officer if did I would have gone consider, in. Did oh, you consider? Oh, absolutely. You considered I, it? I, by the time, yeah, absolutely. I considered going in. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I mean, this wasn't, it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the family that I was brought up in. I would have been, but I mean, that's sort of her, uh hereditary. Anyway, I didn't live with the, I was adopted, so, you know, it would have been a different situation. But um, 855-450-3733 Free Talk Live. Call in and talk about anything. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the live Veterans Day edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And I just told you about Bitcoins. I didn't tell you how to get Bitcoins, and that's an important factor. The way to get them is BitInstant.com. BitInstant.com is for one, the one of the largest companies that's uh, you know deals with bitcoins at all, and they're also the fastest, safest, and easiest way to get your bitcoins. Go to bitinstant.com; they make it easy for you. There's more than a uh, more than a million locations around the world that you can use to get bitcoins with bitinstant.com. As a matter of fact, you can do it right from your desk if that's what you want to do. Um, BitInstant or wherever your your computer might be. People carry around things, the computers all over the place these days. You don't have to have them sitting at a desk. BitInstant.com. They make it, uh, you know, Bitcoins have a lot of advantages to them. It's mathematically impossible for them to be counterfeited or inflated. It's mathematically impossible for anyone, including governments, to block you from sending or receiving payments with Bitcoins. It's a lot of reasons to get in Bitcoins. I certainly am thoroughly into Bitcoins, and, uh, you know, I recommend them for you too. BitInstant.com. Stephanie, mm-hmm. somebody's house was on fire. Yeah. And as a result, the police had to tase somebody. Yeah, now how could this be? I guess we'll find out here coming up. Um, This is from WTSP.com, local news sort of story from Pinellas Park, Florida. Your neighbor's house is on fire and it's threatening your home. What 
What do you do as you wait for the firefighters to arrive? One man picked up a hose, except this got him tasered by police. Daniel Jensen is resting in his home after being treated for smoke inhalation. His attorney says he's too emotionally upset to speak to reporters after being tased in front of his two children. Neighbor Luis Rosa witnessed Jensen as he stood between his home and his neighbor's home using a hose to put out the fire threatening both homes. Luis Rosa says Jensen did what any homeowner would do as a raging grease fire next door threatened his home Thursday evening. He was basically just protecting his property. He was hosing the fence down, making sure the fire didn't jump to the other side, and he was doing a good job. Rosa says Pinellas Park police pulled Jensen back from the fire several times. First, they pulled the hose away from him. Then they said, you got to get out. Then they kind of pushed him back. He looks back at the house and sees the fire starting to jump over again. By then, Rosa said with no firefighters in sight, Jensen lost his patience. Rosa said he heard Jensen asking, where the hell are the firefighters? Where the hell are the firefighters? He ran back and grabbed the hose. And that's when Rosa says he saw an officer grab a taser. By the garbage can, the the cop just tasered him and then he dropped to the ground. And then the two other cops grabbed him and put him in the cop cruiser. Right. So um, in in this situation, the the homeowner um, said that he would he would stop spraying the other house when the firefighters arrive. So you've got the first problem with is with, uh, you know, call response time. Yep. Um, You know, I mean, for whatever reason, it was obviously too slow for this homeowner in this circumstances. Second is a property rights issue, it seems to me. If I mean, exactly who are you serving and protecting me from? Myself, right. I don't need protection from myself. Thank you very much, Mr. Friendly Law Enforcement Officer. Right, and if he's dragged off into the back of a cruiser, then the fi- there's nothing to stop the fire from getting his house. Right, I mean, I don't That's know... That's whether- why he was spraying down the fence in the first place. Right, maybe this wasn't the best move on this homeowner's part. Well, he's upset. He's kind of scared that the fire's going to get to his house. I couldn't speak to it. It's not my business, whether yeah. it's the best, uh, the best move by this homeowner or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What I know is, is that if my house was being threatened by the house next door, a fire in the house next door, then I would probably try to do something about that. And I don't need um, Officer Helpful tasering me when I'm trying to save my house. No kidding. I, I mean, that doesn't help anybody, honestly. You know, I mean, it just makes things worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I the, don't think the cops are really trained on how to de-escalate situations. You know, well, if if you if they thought that it was their business. Then they did the right thing. I mean, if they own you, if they're responsible for the payments of your medical bills, any of these things, then then it's okay to force your actions. But it's not when you're a free individual. If this guy's free and he actually owns his house, then it should be his decision that he wants to make. I may not agree with it. I may not. I don't know. He didn't know what was going to happen. Something could have blown up over there. A propane could tank have. could have blown the wall out. Who knows what could he have He was happened. getting treated for smoke inhalation anyway. But, I wouldn't doubt it. But isn't that Sounds like a consequence fire. enough? I mean, he, he has to get tasered too on top of that. Well, I... I mean, and what people will say, I've heard this, you know, heard firefighter after firefighter say things like this, is, well, then we have to go in and get him. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. It's all the police officer would have to say in the circumstances, sir, if you go back over there, you're going, like, whatever happens over there is your problem. We will let you cook next to that fire. And yeah. that's all you need to do. You don't need to put anybody's life in danger or anything like that. I get that sure. people's lives would be in danger if they went over and just tried to save this man. I'm 100% clear on that. But some people don't want to be saved. Well, 
and they could have some compassion for him. If he's disoriented because he's been inhaling smoke and he's a little bit, you know, his brain loopy. is a yeah, little, sure. yeah, he's a little loopy, which is very possible. Then likely, you know, it's not really his fault that he's acting that way. He's kind of not in his right mind. So what he needs is help. He doesn't need to be hurt some more. Well, I, I have to disagree with you on that point. If, if it is legitimate, if, if their position is legitimate that he should not be going over there, then they should be able to do whatever they want to do in order to keep him from going over there. But that presupposes that they own him. That they are smarter than him. That is their business. And it's not. All they had to do to absolve themselves of any guilt in this circumstance, as far as I'm concerned, from a moral standpoint, I don't know about the legal system. It's so messed up at this point that nothing shy of a revolution is going to change it. But um, from a moral standpoint, all they had to do is say, sir, if you go over there, whatever happens there is your responsibility. And we are not going to put our lives on the line to go save your on-fire butt. Yeah, he may not have been able to understand it. Like if he's I, really disoriented or he, he couldn't hear them or something, you know, well, it sounds, that's it's entirely a, possible. What moved, I meant, I didn't mean that they okay. should have like, uh, you know, tried to go in and risk their lives to save him. I just meant like he needs some help putting out that fire. He needs to be assured that his house is going to be okay. Well, the, the, you know, the firefighters are going to arrive when the firefighters arrive. Yeah. I mean, it's a slow response time, and that's the, the foundation of the problem in this uh, story. Yeah. I mean, if their well, response time's over five minutes, then I've got a real problem. The, why did the cops get there and the firefighters didn't? That's a good question. Why were the cops there? They're often coming from a similar place. Right. I mean, you know, if they had enough time to, uh, you know, have a, a several, a couple of interactions, and a several, a few interactions with this individual where they're trying to move him away and all that stuff, and then he runs back in. Where's the police? You know, where's the firefighters? Where's the firefighters? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like more than a couple of minutes. So they had a response time, whatever that response time was. And there were a few minutes, yeah. several minutes mm-hmm. between them and the firefighters arriving. That sounds like a slow response time to yeah, me. Yeah, he's asking a good question. Where the hell are the this firefighters? This is Pinellas Park is where this occurred? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is... You used this, to live near there? This is, yeah, well, I mean, near by our standards, but yeah. it was quite a ways away. A okay. friend of mine lived in Pinellas Park. Um, I mean, this is a this is a city. This is definitely a city. Mm-hmm. It definitely has a, fire, a, a professional firefighting uh, unit, and there's no excuse for slow response times mm. when they spend as much money as they do for professional firefighters. Most of the firefighters in America, I believe, or most, most communities are served by volunteers, and... They didn't even ask, they didn't even um, hear from the fire department in this article. They just strictly talked to this neighbor who was a witness, I guess. Mm. Do you want to hear what the cops said about this? So uh, Captain Sanfield Forseth with the Pinellas Park Police Department said they were trying to get him out of a dangerous situation. And they tasered him after uh, exhausting all their options. Like, (laughs) it kind of reminds me of parents who say, well, we exhausted all our options. We had no choice but to smack the kid. You know, it, and it, you know, like I said, it presupposes uh, that they own him. And that's all yeah. that all there all that this really comes down to is that it's just it's striking how they treat him like like he's beneath them. You know, it's this dynamic where they it's a are central the planners, figures. Yeah, it's a central planner's mindset. Yeah, the central planner says, you know, so what about the individual? It's the greater good that matters. Mm. Uh, you know, the whole Spock, you know, uh, you know, all I can't even remember what the quote is that uh, um, Spock gives his life and says basically that the individual is nothing that the group is what matters. <laughs> Nonsense. 855-450-3733. Commie bullcrap. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. 
The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can give us a call, talk about anything you want to talk about here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. So we're talking about this story where this homeowner was uh, tased because what apparently was a slow fire department response time and... um, he was trying to put out a fire that was spreading from his neighbor's house to his house. Right. The police didn't want him in between the two houses with a hose, felt it was a dangerous area, and smoke inhalation was certainly an issue at this point. So they decided that the best course of action was to tase him and drag him out of there. And they may be right that this was the best way to save life and limb for the homeowner. They may be right, but I'm of the opinion that that homeowner owns that property and that he owns his body and his life. So therefore, whether whatever he decides to do is his business. Now, I don't I, I am a firefighter. Um, you know, I I've done, I've been a volunteer firefighter for a few years. And we certainly have to deal with homeowners at times that uh, are less than rational and one can get jaded in that area. I get it. But that's their business. That's their house. And you don't have to if you absolve yourself of the responsibility um then like for instance i'm i'm just thinking about a situation in my town some people were living rather back to the earth they had a they had a yurt <laughs> is that a kind way to put it it was yeah. and they had a yurt and an outhouse and oh, that cool. kind of thing and they, this was not exp- um, really appreciated where we were okay and by the many of the you know the people in town oh, those people um <laughs> living in the yurt <laughs> uncivilized Pooping in a hole in the ground, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, well, I guess what happened is somebody had some kind of medical issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they were up at their property. They didn't leave their property much. Uh, they were up at their property, had some kind of medical issue. And the fire trucks couldn't get up there. Just couldn't get up there. Oh, why? But because they didn't plow their driveway. Oh. Um, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're the kind of people that lived in a yurt. Used an outhouse and didn't plow their driveway. Yeah. So the vehicles couldn't get up there. So the fire department had to hoof it on up to these people. And, you know, I just kind of feel like if you, you know, if you if you live outside the building code and you don't plow your driveway, then to a certain amount, to a certain extent, some of the responsibility is absolved, if not all the responsibility is absolved from the fire department. Well, okay, if you're providing a service, like a, you're a volunteer firefighter, mm-hmm. I think that you get to choose what you're comfortable with. You know, you're providing those services voluntarily. And if someone is offering you a contract, you know, that you don't agree with, not that you're making a contract with this yurt-dwelling couple mm-hmm. or anything, but, like, the circumstances they're offering you, if you don't 
if you don't feel that you're safe, you don't have to do it. You know, you don't want to have three dead people on your hands instead of just one, right? It's true, but um, and and so one needs to consider the mindset of the firefighter, mm-hmm. the kind of person this is. This is the kind of person that runs towards danger, not away. Okay, yeah. um, I was in a situation where this is another story. In a situation where a car uh, was going 130 miles an hour is the estimate. I don't see how that vehicle, the Ford Focus, could have gotten up to that. But let's call it 110 through a 35 mile an hour zone, lost control, hit some very large rocks and ended up smashed up against, get this, of all things, some gas pumps. Um, and when I went there, I had I didn't wow. even know what I was looking at. Looking at It looked like God had picked up the car, crushed it in his fist and hurtled it towards earth. Um, I, I got there. Wow. I didn't even consider the possibility that there could be a person in that vehicle. It was so weird looking mm-hmm. and it was dripping. Now, it was, consider it's right next to some gas pumps. Mm-hmm. Then I heard somebody moaning. There was actually a lieutenant, fire lieutenant, who was from another uh, fire department there, who was basically weeping. He was so, you know, just so out of it. I heard somebody moaning. I, I stood there for maybe f- 10 seconds and thinking, you know, that thing's dripping. And, and all I could think of was dripping gasoline. Yeah. And that I'm going to die if I go over there. Yeah. And that there's a man or some, per- there's a person in there moaning. Yeah. So... I, you know, and I'm a ways away from the car. So I start going towards the car um, and I'm going to get this person out of that car. They need to be saved. This thing's dripping. It could blow. Fortunately for me, uh, Harry, the the police, the, the fire chief pulls up at this moment, says, Mark, don't you go into that car. And he, it sounds for all the world like JFK. <laughs> and and um, so, I mean, you know, I stood down and waited for them to come. And it was maybe two more minutes before uh, folks, I, I couldn't, this guy was 300 and something pounds. There's no way I could have oh. got him out there by myself. I did get the seatbelt off of him um, and, you know, was able to help him. And apparently I was pulling too hard, as somebody claimed. I don't know. But we got him out of there. Um, and he lived through it uh, so that he could go to prison. But <laughs> That's anyway. amazing. These are the, this is the mindset of people that do this job. They yeah. don't stand back, and they sure. are liable to do those kind of things. And I think that this is really fundamentally what the pro- what's wrong with forced services like a fire department um, that you know you have to pay taxes for because mm-hmm. basically these people are forced to pay. So essentially, I'm obligated to provide the service, even if you didn't plow your driveway. Well, but are you? I mean, because the police have no duty to protect. I does the fire duty department have a duty to serve too? No one has ever told me I had a duty to do anything. I just, mm. you know, consider myself, to, I guess, to have that duty. Let's go to George in North Carolina. George, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yes, this is George. I was wanting to talk about the firemen. Sure. I mean, the police who stunned the homeowner who was trying to put out the fire. Right. I think that the homeowner should have his own stun gun and shoot the policeman. Well, he probably wasn't prepared for that. He, was really, you know. he had a hose in one hand. <laughs> I don't think two wrongs make a right, him. though. He should have hosed him real good. <laughs> oh, my. So uh, it probably wouldn't have gone well for him. That's what, all I have what are your to thoughts on that. this? Why do, you, why do you think the homeowner? Um, what, what's your stand on it? Why, why was the, why is the homeowner? Why were the police in the wrong for tasing him? I think the police were overstepping his boundary. The man was protecting his property, and apparently he wasn't in grave danger because nothing happened to him. Well, actually, he did get hospitalized for smoke inhalation. Well, of course, so. they had to take him someplace. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was how bad it was, but right. he's he's still recovering from it a Trade couple him for days after inhalation. the article. But yeah, <laughs> oh. 
But he was definitely also traumatized by the police um, tasering him. And I guess his kids saw it, too. So they're affected now. So in addition to having to deal with a fire, the family has to deal with this incident, too. So, yeah, I mean, I I I think they could have come up with a different solution that wouldn't have involved tasing him. I would have just stood back and said, hey, man, whatever happens over there is your problem. It's really a problem created by the slow response time of the fire department, though, as you pointed out, Mark. Indeed. George, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 855-450-3733. I guess I was a little too fast on the draw there. Got him saying thank. Eight five five. If you had been faster, you could have cut him off before he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said thanks. It's and a then slow I a response time here on Free Talk Live. <laughs> didn't get a chance to tell him. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You know, and it all comes down to the the relationship that we have with a coercive government. If you were able to if if you were able the to decide relationship yeah, yeah if you were able to decide who which department was would come and save you for whatever reason a i think you'd find a lot more efficient use of money because these departments love to spend money on trucks that sit in uh, bays most of the time you know my little town's got two tanker trucks in case one breaks down it's got two engines in case one breaks down. I mean, this is a town of a thousand people or something like that. You know, there's there's fewer than 600 homes. Mm-hmm. Exactly how many trucks do you need? Because they've got a half a dozen. Well, they have to get shiny new toys. I, you know, I don't think that that's, it, it's to some extent that's what it is. And no doubt people want to play with the hoses and the trucks. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you know, trucks are fun. Big, big trucks are fun to drive. I, know, I drove I, this thing and it was a lot of fun. I'm sure it's fun. <laughs> you know, you turn it, the lights. Whee! the lights are on i'm sure it's fun that doesn't justify everybody being forced to pay for it right and i think that there could be more cost effective ways to defend one's house first and foremost you probably should have fire extinguishers around Mm -hmm. and this is what it comes down to if you were responsible there was a case uh back a couple years ago when there were a spate of house fires in california Mm -hmm. because they had a particularly like hot and dry season and they didn't clear the brush or something like that anyway a bunch of homes caught on fire and Insurance companies, not the government, were coming out with this foam that you could spray around the the perimeter of your yep. house so that if a fire was fire blazing break. toward your house, it would stop it. Would be a help helpful fire break, no doubt. And this was this you know, these are the kind of things that homeowners would probably take more responsibility for. I'm not saying that some of some people's houses would burn down, but the purpose of a fire department isn't to keep your house from burning down. The purpose of the fire department is to keep your house from setting other people's houses on fire. That's the purpose of a fire department. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Call in and give your opinion on the subject if you wish. 855-450-FREE. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook.
Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, kicking off the final hour of the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. 855-450-3733. Give us a call about anything you want to talk about. And uh, go check out news.freetalklive.com. Not only there can you link to our Twitter and Facebook uh, you know, pages and stuff and be able to get the sort of granular updates that go on here on Free Talk Live, but you can also find the email list where you'll get the major news, the big news of Free Talk Live. It's a, it's a great service, and you'll find out things about the show, news stations we've added and awards we've won and interviews we've done, things like that. And you can find that at news.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Hammer in New Hampshire. Hammer, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark and Stephanie. Hey, it's the Hammer of Liberty. Uh, you can hear me all right. I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to uh, kind of relate an anecdote that uh, uh, I had a similar experience to the, the man who was tased, except for uh, it didn't go as far as tasing out in Arizona. So I don't think this is going to be an isolated incident. I think the real difference is the fact that the cop had a taser. Um, my neighbor's house was burning down, and we had started basically a bucket brigade, mainly out of my own self-interest to try to prevent my house from burning down. Mm-hmm. And it took about 15 minutes for the cops to show up. And when they showed up, they insisted that we had to stop, uh, despite the fact that it took another 20 minutes for the fire department how to long, show up. Uh, how, long was, from how long was the response 20, time? 20 to 30 minutes more. For the fire department to show up, was this a volunteer wow. force? Had to have been. The situation is, is it's just outside of the city limits. Uh-huh. So the fire department in the city wouldn't respond to it. You have to go with the county fire department, which was like two towns over. I see. Yeah, this is... Uh, so the this cops is, could uh, show up really quickly because they'll ticket you even if you're outside the city, but the fire department doesn't show up unless you're paying them. Yeah. Mm. This is a complaint that a lot of people have regarding uh, fire departments is, is that uh, they can be very specific on where they go. Now, where I'm from... Departments come from all over. If there's a call, firefighters go, and they don't care where it is or who it is. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've gone to other towns and um, even to Keene to uh, assist in, in fires. So uh, different fire departments are different different places or different ways. And you know, I don't know whether it's the unions or the governments or what it is that uh, causes these things to happen, but it's really uh, really um, annoying. So Never, what happened, anything else? What you've happened got to, next after, after that? Infinite- what happened next what after happened that? His infinite wisdom when he showed up, basically threatened to throw the guy in jail if he continued trying to put out the fire. So, and that included you I, too. I have no doubt that if he had a taser, he would taser the. Uh, it wasn't a homeowner; it was actually a renter. But mm-hmm. wow, and a renter's out there putting his life on the line Yikes. to uh, save a house. He must have had some of his stuff I'm, in there. Yeah, I'm glad you were okay. Save uh, Christmas gifts because at this time it was around Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Well, I appreciate the call. There's a connection issue here, Hammer. So, but uh, thanks for sharing. I have a little audio, funny audio quality, but I got the gist of the story. Yeah, I did too. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, it seemed like a good story, so I wanted to keep them around. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, um, Mark, I, I'm just curious. How often would you say you get called as a vi- volunteer firefighter in New Hampshire? You know, it's different every. Uh, you know, every every month's different. You can have a bunch of calls that come in. They actually they just seem seem to come in bunches, like little little bunches like grapes. Yeah. Um. You know, several in a row. But you know, maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I'll. I have basically told the fire department I'm available to you. 
during the day. Yep. Um, you know, I'm willing to come out during the day. If it's after 5 p.m., I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to go. But fortunately, that's when they need people to mm-hmm. show up. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much what I've done all along. This one instance that I was telling you about at the gas station where the, the car hit the pumps and, the, and that kind of thing, it was late at night. And it sounded like a serious call, and it was very close to my neighborhood. So I, you know, got in the turnout gear and I um, hopped in the car. Fortunately, I wore all my gear that time. Sometimes for these uh, automobile accidents and stuff like that, you know, I just wear the t-shirt and put the helmet on. The helmet really is the badge because that's what allows you to direct traffic. You know, <laughs> if, if I'm out there trying to direct traffic, I don't have the helmet on. You keep that helmet in your car all the time, just yep. in case you get pulled over, right? Yeah, it's like copper propellant. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they see that helmet. And they, yep, uh, one set of rules for some of us, and uh, another set for the others. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. You know, they see the helmet in there, and uh, we're part of. You know, we're we might not be part of the blue team, but we're right there on the similar sides. And I've had a lot of great conversations with a lot of uh, state police. I, you know, I mean, these they're. I, I'm I have no intention of calling these people bad people, but I do believe that there's two sets of books. I think that there's, uh, you know, there's the in crowd and the out crowd. And when I'm not wearing that helmet, I'm part of the out crowd. Yeah. 855-450-3733. Let's go to, I believe we have an anonymous call. Sounds like it could be for you, Stephanie. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, my own personal sexuality, actually, and kind of come out and and, you know, in thinking about it, it it's almost going to sound like a crank call. And I, I honestly, and I, I don't even know how to say this, like, straight lace, but I think that's part of the problem. Um, I've come to realize that I, I'm I'm a polysexual. I, I need multiple women partners. Okay. And I'm a, I'm a married man. Uh-huh. And, and I want you to follow along with me here. After much discussion with my wife, she feels the same way. She feels um, the same way for herself? Wants, she wants to she have... Wants to inter- Wait a second. We want to introduce another woman into this relationship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one even begin? How do you, how, you know, what I mean? how does one even begin to uh, start that kind of a lifestyle? Or well, that's a really, those, that's those a really things? interesting question. Can't um, be easy. Yeah. So the first thing is that it's um, unusual to have a relationship like a marriage, which um, originally started off as okay, we agree we're going to be monogamous with each other, and then that changes, and both people are completely on board with it. So you've gotten one step out of the way, which is complicated, right? So you and your wife agree that you want to find another partner. Um, it's kind well, really of... really what it boils down. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we want to spend our lives together. and I mean, we, we didn't get married, you know, based on sexual chemistry per se, as much as just our own personal compatibility. I mean, sexual chemistry is there. Mm-hmm. But we, we both agree that, you know, introducing other women into the situation would make things, things better. Um, and do you want to have a, would you like to have a relationship with um, the third person or do you want it to mostly just be no, sex be, play? It has to be purely, it has to be purely, purely sexual because my, <clears throat> my, my wife is afraid, and this is the weird part of me somehow leaving her, like, yeah, the woman who lets me have multiple women, that's the one I'm going to leave. But whatever. You know, my wife. My wife is, is concerned. Well, yeah, I, so she I've certainly confused. seen plenty of relationships where uh, somebody goes and uh, gets a taste of uh, the, you know, the, whatever the grass on the other side of the fence, and decides that it's better, and they leave the person. So I think it's a legitimate fear. I see your point, and I think that it's, you know, it, it's got some validity to it. But I've seen it happen. So I, here's what I think: what the caller is looking for is very unusual. 
a single bisexual woman who's attracted to both him and his wife and who only wants to have sex and doesn't really want to have... Um... And he's gone. Okay. Well, he does, you don't have to stop. And, and okay, I agree it that it's a very unusual situation. And I, I don't think that's easy to find. So I've got a solution. Maybe that person is a prostitute. <laughs> it, maybe it is. <laughs> right. Um, that, that does seem like it would make uh, chances uh, you know, better for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also probably spend less time trying to you know, negotiate things. But there's also swingers clubs, too. There are. Um, although single by women at swingers clubs yeah, are unusual. Agreed. You know? Maybe he that can could get be an over, option for them. Maybe though, he sure. can get over whatever problem he has with, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it is that they're, they're going for mm-hmm. here. And I hope it turns out well for them. I don't know if it will. Oh, um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of mounting evidence that a lot of people can handle non-monogamy, that maybe the whole strictly monogamous marriage is kind of a way, a thing of the past. And there certainly are a lot of people who engage in swinging and open relationships and even polyamory. Other, you know, but swinging is, like is kind of a, something that makes sense to me is, hey, you know, I'll have sex with your wife. You can have sex with mine. Like that's <laughs> what kind do of the wives of, think about it? <laughs> well, they would obviously have to agree too. yeah. Well, that's the thing that I understand. By the way, about this, this is a very empowering situation for women generally. I was going to say that in the swinger community, they say women are in control because yeah. they have the ultimate say of what happens. So, yeah, maybe that would be a good thing for them to enter the swing scene. Maybe that would enable them both to get their needs met. But Seems it might, it might be hard. <laughs> 855-450-FREE if you have comments on this or anything else. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. By the way, that uh, that story from, on the homeowner was brought to you by Stuntmaster Dave. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, Buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Talk about anything you want to talk about here. Even swinging. Even swinging. (laughs) Even swinging. So this might be a perfect time to talk about stateless suites. I don't know why. There's no, there, there is no segue sexy, for Because it's sexy, right? <laughs> you know. It'll be very popular at your swing party if you bring stateless suites. Whatever p- kind of party you may have this holiday season. Nobody has to get swung necessarily. <laughs> um, you can bring stateless sweets. I mean, they are these are high end, all natural, delicious candies, and you can find them at statelesssweets.com. Um, what right now? What I'm excited about is the chocolate covered pistachio brittle. But they've got English toffee and they've got real caramels, uh, cinnamon caramels too, with a little hint of uh, cinnamon in there. Uh, they're very exciting. Uh, there's some fudge. Ian has called it the best fudge he's ever had. And I, you know, giving them out to friends and that kind of thing. That's a high compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good stuff. StatelessSweets.com. I cannot recommend it more highly. It's the, it'll be, you'll agree with me. It's the very best thing you've done with your mouth. StatelessSweets.com. Let's go to George in Illinois. George, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How you doing? All's well. What's on your mind? All right. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys. I actually particularly wanted to ask Stephanie. 
like I've been trying to get a threesome going on with my girlfriend for a while, and she's been bugging out about it. Like, what's that mean? She said down, like she's down with it one day, and then she's down down with it the other day. Like, mm, we we have yeah. a really strong relationship. Yeah. So if she's express, if she's kind of having conflicted thoughts, I would say that she's not fully okay with it. And yeah. maybe it'll take a lot these... more talking about it, you know, just talking about the nature of non-monogamy in a really non-threatening way, not saying to her like, look, you know, let's have sex with this other person Saturday night. Are you down or not? Give me an answer. But just <laughs> just kind of, you know, bringing up the question and, hey, do you think it's possible to um, love more than one person at once? And what do you think about um having aren't a lot of couples worried sex? about love i mean if yeah if i think I, I don't want love of another person frankly i mean mm-hmm. if if my you know wife wanted to bring another uh, woman into the picture this is so far removed from my world that i don't really know what to even say well, about but it but. it's just to start a conversation to see if they have the same ideas and values about those things and maybe they'll come to new ideas and maybe they'll realize that they actually have really different ideas on those kind of subjects and maybe they'll decide to move on from each other you know uh, there's also there are some books. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. George, is that it? Um, yes. There are some books about uh, non-monogamy and open relationships out there. There's a very famous one called The Ethical Slut. I've mentioned it on the show before. It's considered the Bible of polyamory. It's a very famous book. There's another one called Opening Up about open relationships, and it's a little more of an updated version that just interviews a lot of different people who have open relationships and of all different kinds. I mean, everything from from swinging to polyamorous households and all kinds of stuff. And, I mean, that's interesting. It can be a mind opener to read and to think about and to challenge, I guess, one's own ideas about relationships and monogamy and such. So maybe that would be helpful. Like, do you think that that love and sex are correlates? Like, do you think that you must, like, love another person to have sex with them? Or, like, can you just engage in the physical act? Oh, no, I think people can just engage in the physical act. Um People have different preferences about whether they, you know, what they're looking to get out of sex, right? Are they looking to use it as an expression of love and a way to grow a deeper connection? Or are they kind of just looking to get off and it's a little more of a a self-centered pleasure thing? I also think that socially women are taught that they should should only have sex with people that they love, whereas men are taught Mm -hmm. that they should have sex with the people that they can. Yeah, and and that can be... um, a barrier that some people need to break down in their own minds and to think about a lot more, you know, um, uh, I've heard that. <laughs> so I don't, I, I can't remember if we read this on the show, Mark, but there was recently uh, some study that came out, which I love because I'm bisexual. So I, I love this study. It said that 60% of women are attracted to other women and most mm-hmm. of those women are straight identified. So I mean, there's a good chance that your partner is not just wanting to have a threesome to please you or whatever, but maybe she wants to get something out of it, too. So, I mean, that's something to talk about. Right. I uh, actually have to agree with Freud. I think that all of us are innately bisexual to begin with. I would love to think that's true. I mean, (laughs) I definitely think there's some wiggle room in people's sexuality for sure. More of us are closer to the middle. I agree. <laughs> so what about um, swingers clubs, George? I mean, if you want to solve this problem, it, it seems like, you know, a, a non-threatening way to go about this. Well, is... first he has to solve the problem with his partner, though, because his but partner's you can not just completely go, on board. hang out, 
And I mean, it's you not like watch. everybody walks in naked you, you and starts watch. doing it. That's absolutely uh, true. You know, you just these are clubs. These are where go people go to talk or they're, even parties at people's houses. They're not houses. doing it on the table. Right? They go to people's they, houses. Sometimes they do do it on the table, but <laughs> a lot of it's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most of it, I would say, is not. That's not happening. So <laughs> there is kind of a stigma, though. Like a lot of people, um, it, they can be a little underground. I mean, if you're trying to find a swing scene or whatever or any kind of scene in your city, all you have to do is just ask Google. You know like New Hampshire swinger party or whatever and they'll stuff will come up online dating is another thing that a lot of people go on who are non-monogamous and they want to meet other people who are too and you know maybe you could find what you're looking for there but to me I think it sounds like your partner may have some fears which are completely you know valid those are that's just how she feels and you have to help her feel comfortable before she's ready to take the next step and that means helping her not feel pressured, you know, to do anything that she's not ready to do, answering her questions, you know, uh, talking about this stuff together and using it as a way to grow closer. Using I like that answer. All oh, right. Thanks. thanks a lot. Thanks, George. 855 450 free. I didn't realize this was going to be the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the polyamory uh, t- talk show tonight. But I, I think this is things that. Uh, well, swinging and polyamory are different, right? I mean, they are different, but uh, they're, as, I think they're lumped in sort of a, a similar category. They're both non-monogamy, right? They're forms of non-monogamy. And in in this society, you know, on Free Talk Live, here's my soapbox, okay? On Free Talk Live, we question social norms. And usually we're questioning the social norm of government. But personally, I've moved on to questioning some other social norms besides just government, and I'm glad that I have. And when you when you start to look at marriage and monogamy and society's version of relationships, it starts to break down as something that fits everybody and meets everyone's needs. You know, and right. I don't think that it, I don't think it fits everybody or, or meets everybody's needs. And right. I, uh, I think that you know, I mean, it's it it comes down in a lot of ways to to stifling people. Um, you know, in ways that they. You know, they wouldn't otherwise, and it and affects honesty mm-hmm. and and things yeah, like that. Yeah, cheating. But, You're referring to cheating, right? Because sure. in you know, in this society where we're supposed to be so monogamous, and there are all these monogamous marriages and everything about it. Well, uh, seventy. I think it's like seventy percent of uh, marriages that end have some kind of infidelity. And that's a huge amount. I mean, that's a, a I thought giant money was the number problem. one reason that uh, marriages end in the second. But, but uh, I mean, yeah. I've met a lot of people that are married, you know, a lot of guys that are married and they'll tell you about the stories of the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. You know what what they've done when, you know, the wife was out of town or whatever. Yeah. I and, mean, there's a certain <laughs> there's something to it. People sometimes get bored in long term relationships. We have we all have a need for novelty. And a need for sexual expression, right? And I don't and think those it, things are important. They're not to be ignored. I don't think these men want to um, end their relationship. I mean, no, that's not what they're, and they're they don't have is. to. Eight fifty-five, four fifty-three, Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, survival, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries the name brands you want at the lowest prices. Ammunition, knives, firearm accessories, archery, air guns, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. 
ManVentureOutpost.com is family-owned, members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau, and has the lowest prices. Go check it for yourself. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can give us a call, talk about whatever you want to talk about. The last few segments, we've been talking about polyamory, non-monogamy, swinging, whatever. It's Free Talk Live. Naughty monkeys, we are. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> dirty, dirty bonobos. <laughs> um, yeah, just read a little bit up on bonobos and you'll find out what I mean. The Free State Project is a project to move 20,000 liberty-loving individuals to one place. By the way, there are some people in the Free State Project who are interested in these Touching topics. each other's parts, mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's freestateproject.org if you want to uh, get involved, find out what's going on here, where more than 1,100 people have already picked up their lives. 13,000 have already signed up and said that they would pick up their lives once 20,000 have, and we're well on our way. There's some things in the works, and I hope that they uh, pan out. Um, 20,000, once we reach that, uh, people are going to start moving in, in mass, en masse, to uh, New Hampshire. And the idea is, is to limit the size of government to a maximum of uh, protecting life, liberty, and property. Yeah, it's, some people haven't waited until it hits that 20,000. And those um, people have already made huge advances. 1,100 people in state right now, right? Mm-hmm. Eight, um, 855, 450 free. You can find that at freestateproject.org. Go there, sign up. I did. Let's take Roger in Indiana. Roger, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? How you doing? All's well. Hey, uh, how uh, you have like uh, property values, things like that, on your Free State uh, Live uh, website? Um, the Free State Project. Uh, so there's two. The show is called Free Talk Live. We are not. Uh, we we just support the Free State Project. That's an entirely separate entity, and uh, the okay, Free. Well, I just didn't know. If- they had that kind mm-hmm. of information or not. Yeah. But the reason I called. You can find it at realtor.com or um, a variety of, uh, you know, sort of online realtors. Also check out the forums. There's um There are two online f- discussion boards that have some housing information posted about New Hampshire. One is the Shire Society Forum and the other is the freestateproject.org um, Free forum. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, okay. Roger. Yeah, I lived up there like uh, 30 years ago. There's still lots of trees. Coming back. Cool. We'd like to have you. Well, get signed up. So what? what hey, but the, the reason I called was uh, the guy was he was looking for some uh, different swinging places, etc. Sometimes you stumble on them by accident. Uh, are you familiar with the Lee Traffic Circle and that nudist colony they have over there? Or no. Still there? No, Why did you tell us all about, about yeah. it? <laughs> did you yeah, stumble but, upon it by accident? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wow. had a mobile home when I was in the Air Force and. Uh, so we're looking for a trailer park to put the place after I got out, and we go walking in, and we're talking to them, getting prices, et cetera, et cetera. And as we were leaving, my wife was saying, did you see the way they were looking at you? And I said, well, yeah, the guys are looking at you kind of, you know, she's rather pretty, so it wasn't anything out of the norm. But but as we were driving out, we stopped to turn on to 125, and we look up the sign, and not only did it say whatever trailer park, it had in small letters, nudist camp. So we started laughing, going, well, that could have been why they were looking, but I think we'll pass. <laughs> so you never know where you're going to find it. That's a cool story. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering if 
kind of wondering if it was still up there or if they had disposed of it. I have not been checking on it. Uh, you probably find out okay. on the internet, though. Now I think it's okay. probably got to be easier to find those things, both nudist places. And by the way, nudist camps or any or nudist colonies or whatever aren't necessarily sexual. Like some of them are just people who like to be free and nude, and that's cool, too. Yeah. Um, Dan and everything. Yep. <laughs> Let it all hang out. Roger, I appreciate the yeah, call. I just thought it was kind of funny, so <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd throw that in. Thanks. Thank you, sir. 855-450-3733. With the internet, it's got to be easier to find those things on purpose and not, not stumble into them like you did. You know, we've never had so many anonymous callers as we have had on the sub- subject of uh, mm. swinging and uh, non-monogamy here. I don't think Whoops, they were crazy. I just dropped somebody. Oh. I pushed the wrong button. Oh, poor anonymous. Uh, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> um, you can call back. Uh, please forgive me. I just pushed the wrong button. It's my completely my fault. All right. We'll see what they have to say. Um yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think e- either of those calls were were crank calls. Honestly. No, no. I think that I think that people genuinely want to talk about. Oh yeah, this people subject. are very curious about it, and it is a little taboo. Um, sometimes it's often the men that push in in the relationship that they're the they're the impetus behind it, trying to to get things happening. But we, as we discussed earlier, it's so, well, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, often I think I it's I know a good amount of women who yeah. have been the push behind it. And Absolutely. They are out there. You know, there are women out there who like sex. And I think that most women like sex. Down with these ideas. Yeah, yeah of course. Some women um, need to be pushed harder than others, I would say. But well, you know. From what I've heard, the statistics well, that I've heard. As you mentioned before, it, it is a big cultural force. Women are taught that they are not supposed to. They're taught that they're supposed to be sexy and beautiful, but they're also taught that they're supposed to be chaste and pure, right? Mm-hmm. And they're sort of selling that image and, and they're shamed about their sexuality. So often they have a lot of barriers to get over, you know, before they're able to question something like um, the paradigm of relationships that we're all taught. Off, and also they, you know, there's whatever issues that go behind uh, the shame of, you know, sort of not being able to satisfy your man or, or whatever. When I bet men have that too. You know, they want to satisfy their partner, right? I think so, but you know, I mean, everybody does. I think that's universal, right? Agreed. But gender. you know, one can't be everything to to everyone, and I do think that there's something to uh, humans having. You know, you're giving something up when you go in a monogamous relationship. I think everybody realizes that. Some people are more willing to give that, more a- willing and able to give that up than other people are. They they'd probably say people who are really um, hardcore monogamy would probably say that. And I agree with this, that you're getting benefits in exchange, right? Like you're getting um, safety. If the monogamous agreement is kept, then you are sure that any children that result are, you know, the father's children. Mm -hmm. And there's there's no worry about um, sexually transmitted infections. And I imagine that's a real worry. Yeah. Sort of the emotional side that there's going to be probably less drama and less things to talk about and less things, less issues to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I, I mean, certainly there are benefits to monogamy. Don't get me wrong. And some people choose it happily. But for some people, they don't want to choose that. And of course, they should have that option as long as their partners are completely on board with it, of course, and everybody's informed. Sure. You know, and I've I saw a special on the OWN channel. This is Oprah's channel, and uh, my wife watches it a lot. And um, so sometimes I'll, you know, and there's this one particular um, uh, show that I like to watch. It's, uh, shoot, I just don't know, Lisa Ling or something like that. And and she, this American Life, I don't, I don't know what it is. That's Mm -hmm. that's an NPR show. Anyway, um, it's something. um, Our America is what it's called. And they did a special on um, swingers Mm -hmm. and. You know, I found it very interesting that these people go to these clubs and hang out and talk and 
you know, whatever it is that they, you know, did, you know, these were interests that these folks had and it was important to them. I think from, you know, from the things that I've heard, it sounds like really interesting. I mean, they do say that the women are in control. They're the people who plan these parties will screen the guests and a lot of them have rules that, you know, you have to be proportionate as far as your height and weight go. So basically they're, they want attractive looking people. Yeah. there's sometimes is is a rule that, you know, single women get in free so that it skews the ratio. There are more women than men. Um, generally, as, ladies nights every night, the swingers club. Right. And as I understand it, you know, there's there's not much like male male stuff going on, but there is a lot of female female action. There you go. <laughs> Let's take uh, anonymous. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hello. Hello. Hey, yeah. About the swinger thing. I was in the military with a buddy of mine, and him and his wife, girlfriend, whatever she was, they were into that. And I called his bluff on it. He was telling me all these stories about the parties and stuff. So I kind of called his bluff on it, and I went to a swinger party. Uh-huh. And, and it started out, you know, as kind of a social thing. Everybody's hanging out, talking, getting to know each other. But as the night wore on, and up about 11 o'clock, I guess it was, there was people going at it everywhere. Stepping over people in the floor. Oh wow! Having sex. You had to go to this party for research purposes, right? (laughs) That's what that's what I did. (laughs) I've actually been to two, and um, it. I've been to some wild parties being in the military, and I have never seen anything like it in my life. Do you have anything else anonymous? Do you have anything more you want to say about these parties? It's just a wild party, and uh, he has two women that he lives with now, and doing great. Huh. All right. Interesting. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. If you give us a ring, we might be able to squeeze you here in in the final segment. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And, uh, you know, we were talking here about uh, swingers and, and non-monogamy and things like that. And so apparently some people have a penchant for penetration in other ways. <laughs> Oh, that's a great segue, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is not sexy at all. Actually, this is a giant um, turn off for me. But um, I'm looking at this article here, and I found this linked from Freedoms Phoenix. Now, the article is from Infowars.com. And honestly, I have to be completely honest. I mean, we usually don't read this kind of stuff on Free Talk Live, but this particular article seems... What do you mean, what kind of stuff? I mean, stuff... That could be considered in the the conspiracy realm. We okay. don't usually rip off Alex Jones's articles or anything like that. I think he, he does a great job of the police state. And, and this is what this is yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and this is by Paul Joseph Watson on Infowars.com. And it's referencing a recent Harris poll. Now, Harris Interactive Surveys is a company that does a lot of polling and public 
um, opinion research in the U.S. And, and you know how uncomfortable that can be. <laughs> oh, my. Well, this is the results of this are very uncomfortable for me, actually. Um, what they are saying here, and I'm just reading you a snippet from this article here from InfoWars. They say American adults participating in the Harris Interactive Survey uh, that recently came out were asked the following question. In two, and here's the question. In 2008, the Department of Homeland Security expressed an interest in having travelers wear electric shock bracelets that would both track travelers through the airport as well as allow airport officials and flight crews to incapacitate potential terrorists. How willing, if at all, would you be would you be to wear such a bracelet in order to fly? So they're asking people if they'd be willing to to wear a shock bracelet in order to fly. And it's framed as, hey, this was floated by the Department of Sec- uh, Homeland Security in 2008 as a proposal. Now, I remember this. There are some clips from yeah. Fox News where they're talking some about Some clips sh- from Free Talk Live, too. Shock bracelet, yeah. Um, and, of course, people who are interested in freedom, this is pretty much anathema to them. Um, so the, you want to guess the results, Mark? How uh, many people do you think wanted to wear a shock bracelet? I, th- I think I remember, but go ahead. Okay. An astounding 35% of yeah, American third. adults responded that they would be, quote, completely... Or somewhat willing to wear the shock bracelet. And that's a similar number to the other thing, right? Yes, a similar percentage. Um, and I've lost my place on the page where it says but this, but there was another result Body cavity too. searches? Yes, there was a similar amount of people um, who were willing to have a body cavity search in order to fly. So here's what, you know, the body cavity, here's what I wonder in these polls. A third of Americans, a third of people polled said they'd be willing mm-hmm. to do this. Um, and do I you want wonder, to hear the other responses? The what? percentages for the how many people said they were not willing? Sure. Okay, so the, only a slim majority, 52%, said that they would be either completely unwilling or somewhat unwilling to wear the shock bracelet. The rest, 13%, responded, don't know. So okay. there are 13% who don't have an opinion. Well, don't I don't know. know. I don't know what you see in this circumstance is if I had to get across the here's the question I'd be asking myself is, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to really kill domestic air travel. But if I've got to get across the country, I have to get there. Am I willing to do it? I'm not going to like it. I don't like the shakedown I get now, but I might be willing to wear your little shock collar. And if you've, you know, I mean, it, they're it, this, not going to decrease the shakedown that you get if they put a shock collar on you, though. No, no, it's just it's just ratcheting up the police state, and yep. um, you know, it, it they'll just. I'm kill sure the, they'd love to put a shock collar on Ian right now when he's flying. Well, yeah, he's, they basically did that with uh, six shakedowns and four flights. Yeah, that was unbelievable. The, but I mean, you know, essentially all they're going to do is kill domestic air travel because people will be less and less likely to handle it. You know, I mean, if it's they'll either say this trip isn't worth taking or I'll drive, and yeah. this is the one thing that. Uh, Americans, the unseen of it all is that Americans don't see is is that the TSA kills people. Mm -hmm. They literally kill people. Right, because driving... Not literally kill people. Uh, They're responsible. They they statistically kill people, and here's the reason. Because driving is much more dangerous than flying. And if you decide not to fly as many Americans, domestic air travel is down more than 20%. So is international air travel. People are either choosing not to fly or they're either staying home or they're traveling by car. And the people that travel by car are less safe than the ones that go on. So some people die as a result. And that's how it happens. You know, in the name of safety, they kill. And it's it's a shame. 
I I don't know what to say about it. But yeah. if it came down to it and I had to get across the country and other people were doing it, I suppose I'd let them do whatever they needed to do in order to get across the country. But if you did put shock collars and uh, put the blue glove love penetration uh, deal go in there and body cavity search people, then you're going to find so few people actually willing to get on airplanes that it will literally kill domestic air travel and that'll be it right america and then is a place have... that drives at that point right and that's it. all it's doing really when they ratchet up the police state is taking options away from people it used to be that a flight was a cheap convenient safe way to get from one place to another that was far away that were far away from yeah. each other and now it's an inconvenient hassle. It's it's getting more expensive and it's costing you more time. Well, it's and already it's inconvenient. Costing you more freedom. Yeah, it's already inconvenient to fly in a lot of ways because you say to yourself, "Well, do I?" You know, it used to be about a half an hour you had to get to the airport, maybe an hour ahead of yeah. time, half an hour or something like that. Now it's now it's an hour, two, two hours, hours is what they tell three you. Three hours for international. Right, so you get there way ahead of time and. You know, even before that, even before um, these things, I I had to, I wanted to take a trip up to see my uh, friend up in South Carolina. Well, you know, I had to to get at the airport at a certain time. I had to. Um, this was from Florida, so you know, it's eight ten hour drive. Yeah. Um, and you know, then I'd have to rent a car at the airport and then go to see him and that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll just drive up over the overnight, and I did, and. You know, I was happy to do that. So mm-hmm. it's already this cost-benefit analysis, and it just throws it, it throws it in out of, more out of whack. Yeah, it's cutting down on the margins, right, where somebody's on the fence about whether to go on a trip by plane or by car. And what the TSA is doing is kind of eh, making it a little more favorable not to fly. So I think that's too bad. And the body cavity search is, is terrifying. I mean, I, yeah, terrifying. I would not be willing to do that ever. And... I don't know what I would do if I were confronted with that situation. I mean, it might not be good. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it might I, not work out well for me. I would think that you have to let people leave the airport if they didn't want it. Yeah, I mean, right. But what if they stop you in your car and they're wanting to do a body cavity search or they're going to put you in jail indefinitely or something like right. that? Right. Well, uh, and they're already doing bus stations um they're doing uh, train stations they're you know they're doing all kinds of these things wins the tsa's roving stop on cars yeah you know the fact is that a bronco was put in times square loaded full of bomb loaded full of uh you know fertilizer. a bomb there fertilizer whatever it was wasn't that the fbi who did that no okay. um, not in that case no okay. this was a that was a genuine terrorist uh, situation gotcha and you know, I mean, why aren't they stopping cars to see whether or not they've got fertilizer in them? The Oklahoma City thing was done and, with a writer truck. And this truck. is kind of what it leads to when you read Alex Jones and all the time. You know, you read Infowars all the time and you think, oh, my gosh, this is so scary and terrible. I never want to leave my house. I want to go off the grid and live in the woods and never, never come out. Right. So I try not to get into that mindset, right? Like we still have some freedoms, like we can still get out of here. There, you it's know. still a better place to live than most places. I would say that mostly because of the um, the opulence, the, the 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 good lifestyle that we are willing to that we can have here in the United States compared to other places um, in the world. So um, what you'll find was with many Americans, the what, this large this trending search term after Obama was elected was um, how to renounce, get a second passport or renouncing something? second citi- renouncing citizenship. 
So there are a lot of people that believe that the best idea <laughs> at this point is to make as much money and and the rich leaving the country. It's happening. Oh, I mean, you know, over the last decade, this number has been skyrocketing, and the news is talking about it, but they really aren't talking about it as much as uh, you know as, as important as it is. And I think people are saying, "I'm going to make as much money in this country as I can make, and then I'm going to leave it." Mm-hmm. I'm but they, t- of go. course, they're going to still consider it theirs because. Oh, well, they do. Look at you what know? happened to Eduardo Severin, right? Yep. Or Severin? I don't know. Whatever I never know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Severin. <Facebook>. Yeah. <laughs> this is the founder of one of the founders of Facebook, right. and um, you know they they said all kinds of things. They hit him with a huge tax for you know leaving the country, and said all kinds of awful things about him. He's an American, yeah! you know, because he left and took his money with him. This could only be said by somebody who believes they own you. Right. I mean, that's what the government believes. If yeah. you take the, if you believe that you are, uh, their jurisdiction no longer ends at the borders. They own it never you. It, it it's on yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you live in another country, if you're an American citizen living in a, another country, they believe that you should pay them money for what you do outside of the country. You're not using their roads. You're not being protected by their military. You're not doing anything that no, uh, costs you, the American Mark, taxpayer you, any money. You didn't build that yourself. They paid to. Ed- Educate you, and uh, we paid to. Uh, have I went yours. to a private school. Eight five five four five zero. What am I giving the number out? Freetalklive.com. You can go check it out. Uh, and in the meantime, until well, twenty more and more hours, you'll find us uh, here back on the air. It's been Mark with you and Stephanie. Freetalklive.com. <laughs> 